Welcome to the Kink Wire, the interventional radiology podcast from SIR Publications. You can learn more on our website, sirweb.org slash kinkwire. This episode provides audio abstracts of papers published in the March 2024 issue of SIR's Journal of Vascular and Interventional Radiology. You can find the full papers on jvir.org. My name is Manbir Singh Sandhu, and I'm your host for this episode. Hello. My name is Brian Ng, and I am a fourth-year medical student at St. Louis University School of Medicine. I will be reading the abstract titled, Transarterial Embolization of Simple Pulmonary Arterial Venous Malformations, Long-Term Outcomes of 018 Coils versus Vascular Plugs, by Botsford and colleagues. Purpose. To compare the safety, effectiveness, and persistence rates of 018 coils with those of Amplatzer vascular plugs, for the treatment of pulmonary arterial venous malformations, or pulmonary AVMs, in response to a growing concern that 018-inch coil embolization would increase the long-term persistence rate. Materials and Methods This is a retrospective single-center study of a database of 633 pulmonary AVM embolizations from 2002 to 2020. Complex pulmonary AVMs and those not embolized with 018 coils or plugs were excluded. Pulmonary AVM embolization material was classified into four groups, 018 non-fibered coils or NFCs, 018 fibered coils or FCs, NFCs and FCs, or plugs. Persistence was defined as flow through the pulmonary AVM on digital subtraction angiography or as less than 30% diameter reduction of the aneurysmal sac on unenhanced CT. Kaplan-Meier analysis and Cox regression were used to assess pulmonary AVM's persistence-free survival. Results. A total of 312 pulmonary AVM embolizations with NFCs, FCs, NFCs, NFCs, or plugs in the 109 patients were included. All pulmonary AVM embolizations were technically successful without any major adverse events. Pulmonary AVM persistence-free survival rates at 10 years follow-up were 48.8% versus 44.7% in the NFC and FC groups, and 47.3% versus 81.0% in the ON8 coil and plug groups, with a p-value less than 0.0001 respectively. There were 0.43 and 0.08 reembolization procedures per pulmonary AVM in the 018 coil and plug groups, respectively, with a p-value less than 0.001. Conclusions Pulmonary AVM embolization with 018 coils was safe, but persistence rate with pulmonary AVM embolization was significantly higher than that with plugs, with no significant differences between FCs and NFCs. Hello. My name is Andrew Branser, and I'm a second-year medical student at the Frank H. Schneider, MD, School of Medicine at Quinnipiac University. I'll be reading the abstract titled, Clinical Utility of Infrapopliteal Calcium Score for the Evaluation of Severity of Peripheral Artery Disease by Lee and colleagues. Purpose, to identify associations between CT-based lower extremity calcium score, or LECS, across different anatomic segments and the presence, severity, and clinical outcomes of peripheral artery disease, or PAD. Materials and Methods In a mixed retrospective and prospective cohort study, 139 patients without prior lower extremity intervention who underwent CT angiography of the aorta and lower extremities were identified. Subjects were classified as asymptomatic, claudicants, 
or having chronic limb-threatening ischemia, or CLTI. LECS was measured using the Agatston method. Univariate and multivariate analyses were performed across categories of PAD severity. Receiver operating characteristic, or ROC, analysis was performed, and an optimal cutoff point for LECS was identified. Claudicants were followed prospectively for CLTI and mortality. Results. Higher infrapopliteal calcium score was independently associated with CLTI versus claudification, in addition to hemodialysis dependence and poor functional status. 188 agatston units was identified as the optimal cutoff for infrapopliteal calcium score in assessing the risk of CLTI versus claudication. This cutoff was validated in an independent cohort to be associated with the progression to CLTI. In the claudicant group followed prospectively, infrapopliteal calcium score was greater than or equal to 188 predicted increased risk of CLTI or death after adjusting for the functional status and hemodialysis dependence. Conclusions Higher infrapopliteal calcium score was associated with CLTI among those with symptomatic PAD. An infrapopliteal calcium score cutoff of 188 A Gatston units may serve as a useful tool to identify patients with increased risk of CLTI and mortality. Hello, my name is Eric Chang, and I'm a third-year medical student at the University of Illinois. I will be reading the abstract titled, Patient Reported Outcomes and Return to Work After CT-Guided Percutaneous Lumbar Discectomy, a Prospective Study by Rank and Colleagues. Purpose to evaluate the effectiveness of percutaneous lumbar discectomy, or PLD, under CT guidance on pain and functional capacities and to estimate the speed of recovery by assessing the time to return to work. Materials and Methods Patients treated with PLD were prospectively included between December 2019 and April 2021. Data regarding pain, duration of symptoms, analgesia intakes, time of absence from work, and the Oswest Street Disability Index, or ODI, were collected. Patients were followed up during six months. Duration of hospitalization and time to return to work were reported. The Fisher test was used to compare nominal variables, the Chris Cole Wallace test to compare ordinal variables, and the Student T test to compare quantitative continuous variables. Results A total of 87 patients were evaluated. The median ODI decreased from 44 to 7 at 6 months, with a p-value less than 0.001. The median visual analog scale score decreased from 8 to 2 within 6 months, with a p-value less than 0.001. In total, 96.5% of patients were discharged on the day of the procedure, and 3.5% were discharged on the following day. No severe adverse events were reported according to the Society of Interventional Radiology Classification System. Of the 57 patients previously employed, 50 were able to return to work during the follow-up with a median time of 8 days. Conclusion Symptomatic lumbar disc herniation can be successfully treated using PLD, resulting in significant improvement in symptoms and functional capacities and a fast return to work. Hello. My name is Justin Cook, and I'm a third-year medical student at the University of Central Florida College of Medicine. I will be reading the abstract title, Magnetic Compression Anastomosis of Benign Short-Segment Ureteral Obstruction, by Unal and colleagues. Purpose. To investigate the feasibility, 
safety, and effectiveness of magnetic compression anastomosis of benign short-segment ureteral obstruction. Materials and Methods Patients referred for failure of ureteral double J stent placement because of impassable benign ureteral obstruction were included. 11 patients with a mean age of 57.5 years underwent ureteral magnetic compression anastomosis. All patients had indwelling nephrostomy catheters. In all patients, anterograde and retrograde ureteral stent placements were unsuccessful using either interventional or cystoscopic access. Ureteral magnetic compression anastomosis was performed as a two-step procedure. In the first step, magnets were placed. In the second step, the stricture was traversed via magnetic compression anastomosis. Successful establishment of anastomosis and ureteral double J stent placement were considered technical success. The mean time for complete magnetic adherence and fluoroscopy time for each procedure were recorded. Results. Five patients had an ileal conduit. The technical success rate was 91%. The mean time for magnetic adherence was 5.7 days. The mean single rotation fluoroscopy times during the first and second steps of the procedure were 9.45 minutes and 15.70 minutes, respectively. Magnets were removed with the support of either balloon catheters or biopsy forceps. No procedure-related adverse events occurred. Conclusions. Magnetic compression anastomosis of benign ureteral obstruction is feasible and safe and can be performed in an interventional radiology suite without the need for endoscopy. Hello. My name is Melanie Chen, and I am a second-year medical student at UC Riverside School of Medicine. I will be reading the abstract titled, Post-Electric Field Ablation versus Radiofrequency Thermal Ablation in Marine Breast Cancer Models, Anti-Cancer Immune Stimulation, Tumor Response, and Upscopal Effects, by Pastore and colleagues. Purpose. To compare the immune response and survival after size-matched radiofrequency, or RF, ablation, and a proprietary form of pulsed electric field, or PEF, ablation in marine tumors. Materials and methods. Orthotopically inoculated EMT6, or 4T1 marine tumors, received sham, RF ablation, or PEF ablation. 4T1 tumor ablations included subgroups with intraperitoneal checkpoint inhibition immunotherapy, or anti-PD-1. Blood was collected for cytokine profiling and flow cytometry. Tumor size was measured and survival was monitored. Tumor samples were processed for histology, immunohistochemistry, flow cytometry, and cytokine profiling. Lungs were collected from 4T1 bearing mice for hematoxylin and eosin histology to assess metastatic spread and scopal effect induced by ablation. Results PEF elicited distinct immunomodulatory effects, with clear differences in serum and tumor cytokine profiles compared with RF ablation, including intratumoral downregulation of vascular endothelial growth factor, hypoxia-inducible factor 1-alpha, C-MET, interleukin-10, KI-67, and tumor necrosis factor alpha, all with a p-value of less than 0.05. PEF increased innate immune activation, with enhanced recruitment of dendritic cells, M1 macrophages and natural killer cells coupled with a reduction in M2 macrophages and myeloid-derived suppressor cells, all with a p-value of less than 0.05. Concurrently, PEF strengthened adaptive immunity compared to RF ablation, characterized by increased antigen-specific T-cells and decreased regulatory T-cells with a p-value of less than 0.05.
PEF stalled tumor growth and increased survival at the end of the study. Finally, PEF promoted an episcopal effect of clearing metastases in the lungs, which was stronger in combination with anti-PD-1 than with PEF alone. Conclusions The proprietary form of PEF used in this study evoked a preferential immunostimulatory profile versus RF ablation thermal ablation in mice, with implications for enhancing the therapeutic effectiveness of checkpoint inhibition immunotherapy for immunotherapy unresponsive tumors. Hello, my name is Vasan Jagadish, and I am a second-year medical student at the UC San Diego School of Medicine. I will be reading the abstract titled, Smartphone Augmented Reality Outperforms Conventional CT Guidance for Composite Ablation Margins in Phantom Models by Lee and colleagues. Purpose, to develop and evaluate a smartphone augmented reality system for a large 50-millimeter liver tumor ablation with treatment planning for composite overlapping ablation zones. Materials and Methods a smartphone augmented reality application was developed to display tumor, probe, projected probe paths, ablated zones, and real-time percentage of the ablated target tumor volume. Fiducial markers were attached to phantoms and an ablation probe hub for tracking. The system was evaluated with tissue-mimicking thermochromic phantoms and gel phantoms. Four interventional radiologists performed two trials each of three probe insertions per trial using augmented reality guidance versus computed tomography guidance approaches in two gel phantoms. Insertion points and optimal probe paths were predetermined. On gel phantom 2, serial ablated zones were saved and continuously displayed after each probe placement or adjustment, enabling feedback and iterative planning. The percentages of tumor ablated for augmented reality guidance versus CT guidance and with versus without display of recorded ablated zones were compared among interventional radiologists with pairwise t-tests. Results The means of percentages of tumor ablated for CT freehand and augmented reality guidance were 36% and 47% with the p-value of 0.004. The mean composite percentages of tumor ablated for augmented reality guidance were 43% without display of ablation zone and 50% with display of ablation zone, with a p-value of 0.033. There was no strong correlation between augmented reality guidance percentage of ablation and years of experience, with an R-value less than 0.5. There was a strong correlation between CT-guided percentage of ablation and years of experience, where R-value was greater than 0.9. Conclusions a smartphone augmented reality guidance system for dynamic iterative large liver tumor ablation was accurate, performed better than conventional CT guidance, especially for less experienced interventional radiologists, and enhanced more standardized performance across experience levels for ablation of a 50-millimeter tumor. We'd like to thank everyone who helped with this episode. My name is Manbir Singh Sandhu, and I'm a second-year medical student at the University of California Riverside School of Medicine, and I was your audio editor. You can visit jbir.org for the full papers, other audio content, and much more.